Hey, I, I really feel the Holy Spirit dropped a word in my heart yesterday. Uh, obviously, this was an incredible week of Thanksgiving. And uh, so I really just kind of dug into uh, prayer and, and the word yesterday. But uh, I want to I share a word. It's a, it's a, it's a heavy in your face word. But I just want you to know that uh, God loves you so much and that this word is spoken in love. And um, turn with me to Matthew 21, 12 to 13. Matthew 21, 12 to 13. And this passage comes straight after the incredible uh, entry into Jerusalem on the donkey. Jesus, when he rode the donkey into Jerusalem, and the crowd was singing, and they were glorifying God. And uh, Jesus comes into the moment where he notices something is not normal in the temple of God. And here we read in Matthew 21. He says, Then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. Verse 13, and he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Let me read that again. It is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. If you're writing stuff down, my title is this, the tables are about to be turned. The tables are about to be turned. Jesus, bless this message in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said. We're staring down uh, the end of another year, a beautiful year. Another year that maybe you've just had uh, in a resounding banner year where you just, you're on top of Mount Everest and you've conquered and you've overcame. Or maybe you are in the driver's seat and you're like, man, I felt like the, whole, I felt like the enemy was in control of every outcome in my life. And so whether personally or in this world, I felt the Holy Spirit drop this in my spirit saying the tables are about to be turned. Holy Spirit, what are you saying? See, when the statement, the tables are turned, it, it speaks of gaining strength and advantage over an opponent. It speaks of a circumstancing, re, re, circumstance reversing. It speaks, maybe you started initially weak, but now you are stepping up and you have the upper hand. Here in Matthew 21, Jesus rides in a donkey, he comes in and he sees something is not normal in the temple of God. So he, he confronts it and he restores it back to which the Father desires it to be. And it says, whether it was on that day or the next day, it says that all of a sudden, Jesus then, where the, thieves, uh, where the, where the thievery was taking place and the, and the marketplace was taking place, Jesus comes in and he, he restores it, and then he, he begins to teach, and he heals the sick and the lame, and then all of a sudden it says, kids and the, start singing and worshiping in the synagogue, Hosanna, Hosanna to the Son of David. And in my, in my words, this is like Jesus saying, this is what my father's house really looks like. Although this is a story of greed in the temple, priests profiting from moneylenders, the enemy tried to paint the picture of what seemed to be a legitimized operation clothed in religion. Although the story speaks of high corruption in high places, it hits us on a personal level today. Perhaps there are some tables that need to be overturned in your life. There's some tables that need to be overturned in your marriage, some tables that need to be overturned in your business. And Jesus, in this day, went into a physical temple where God is now in a representation. We are the physical temple of God. 1 Corinthians 6, 18, 20 says, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is within you, whom you have received as a gift from God and that you are not your own property? 
You were bought with a price. You were actually purchased with the precious blood of Jesus and made his own. So then honor and glorify God with your body. See, the enemy would love you to continue this year and into the new year, continually to deal with unforgiveness in your life from the betrayal of that friendship. He'd love you to continually exchange and deal with disappointment in your life from, from the shattered dream that didn't manifest this year. The enemy would love you to continue to deal with and bargain with the enemy of that sin that's run rampant and habitual in your life and is and slowly decaying and destroying your soul. But Jesus is here to declare over your life, I wanna turn over the tables. I wanna turn over the tables. You see, the temple of God back in the day was on 30 acres of land. It had incredible two massive parts of the temple, you see, with, with, with outer courts. And see, one, one of the massive parts of the temple was the Holy of Holies. Then it had another big part was the Holy Land or Holy Place. Then it had the court of the Israelites. Then it had the court of women. And then in the farthest edge of the temple, it was the court of the Gentiles. The reason they built the court of the Gentiles was the temple of God was supposed to be a temple of prayer to all the nations. And even at that time, uh, while they were building, you know, while they built this, yet the, somehow, somehow mankind, humanity took the corruptedness of the world, a flea market, a sense of a selling and exchanging of merchandising, of, 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 of prostituting what were meant to be sacred. They allowed the corruption to seep in to the temple of God. They were at this place where, where the Lord Jesus then had to come in and he didn't come into the Holy of Holies. He didn't come into the Holy Land. He didn't come into the court of the Israelites. He didn't come into the court of the women. He came into the farthest end of the court, the court of the Gentiles. He came to that place where people were most marginalized. He came into that place where people were most considered outcasts. He came into that place and he began to turn things over. Why? Because he said, this is not normal and I must cleanse that which is not normal. I must turn over the tables. I must turn over that which people have normalized. People have normalized the selling and the trading within the temple walls. They normalized that which was not sacred. They normalized, and, the, and Jesus had to come in and see God wants to come into our lives and neutralize that which the enemy has tried to normalize wants to come into our lives and see, people may look at you and you, you, your battle with anxiety. They may look at you and your, your, your battle with bankruptcy or, or the battle of just getting over a divorce or the battle of, 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 of saying, hey, I'm, my business is gonna be here in this last year, but it never got there. And they might normalize what is taking place in your lives. They might normalize, you know, we might normalize uh, demonic nightmares. We might normalize intrusive thoughts. We might normalize extreme phobias, sicknesses that the doctor have diagnosed, but Jesus is walking down the street today. He's looking in the four walls of your temple and he is saying, this is not normal. I'm about to neutralize what the enemy has tried to normalize. Why did Jesus have to come in and drive things out? Man, he made his own whip. This is, this is how the righteous indignation within his heart. Why? Because whether we like it or not, temples get trashed. Why do we spring clean? our backyards, because 
it gets trashed? Why do we take garbage out of our house? Why? Because it can be messy. And as long as you are a human, in our humanity, things get messy. Whether you're a lawyer, it can get messy. Whether you're a CEO of a billionaire company, you, life can get messy. If you're a stay-at-home mom or dad, life can get messy. And that's why we thank God that Jesus wants to overturn some tables in our life. Because Jesus still heals. He still drives out demons. He is not ashamed of our pain. He's not ashamed of our problem, our stuff, our disease. He's not ashamed where we've been, where we've slept, where we've smoked, where we hung out. He comes into every area. Why? He wants to come into the court of the Gentiles. He wants to come where we feel marginalized, where we feel outcasted. He wants to come where in, the, in that place where, where, where we don't feel qualified for the holy of holies. We don't feel deserving enough to say, God, why would you come into this house? Why would you say you want to overturn some tables in my house? Let me remind you what John 2, 17 says. The disciples remember the prophecy saying that Jesus said, passion for God's house will consume me. Passion not for the four walls of a building, the passion for the temple of the Holy Spirit, the passion for you, the passion for the person next to you, for me, for what God is doing in your life. And he's saying to you today, you are my temple, you are my place, you are my house, and I purchased you with my blood. You gotta understand, you belong to Jesus. Jesus, you are his. Come on, somebody say, I am his. It's not about a controlling, manipulative God. It's about he purchased you with tender love by giving his one and only begotten son. And today we are declaring, we are declaring as we look to the end of this year, we are declaring that not one part of our life will belong to the devil. Not one part of our life not one part of our life will belong to demonic nightmares. Not one part of our life will belong to de demonic opposition or oppression. Not one part of our life will belong to controlling spirits, manipulative spirits, or generational curses. Not one part of our life will belong to sickness or disease. Come on, Jesus is here to take out the trash. Jesus is here to turn the tables over. If I could, I would just throw this table in Jesus' name. He came to cleanse. He didn't come to trash or condemn you. He didn't come to, to put shame on you. He came to purify, to cleanse, to set you free, to burn away that which is not him. He came to bring holiness and to remind you that your temple needs and can be cleansed. And what's crazy is the merchants operated in the temple, but they didn't own the temple. You see, they simply operated in the real estate. They operated in in, in, in a place that they did not own. You see, you are the temple of God. We just read the scripture. You are property that belongs to him. And as long as you belong to him, he is going to do everything. He'll turn over every single table until he can get to your hearts. Every single table until he can see where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Absolute freedom. Today, can we, can we serve a notice to every demonic entity that you are not allowed on this territory? You are not allowed in my life. You're not allowed in my marriage. You're not allowed in my finances. You're not allowed. I want to serve you notice. You are illegal because the blood of Jesus said so. Come on, today we can serve the devil notice and say, I am bought with the precious blood of Jesus. Come on, even if your mama was in witchcraft, Jesus. 
Jesus owns the rights to your soul in Jesus' name. You are the property of God. And come on, the devil's gonna try to normalize that this just, just happens in our I'm just insecure. I'm just gluttonous. I'm just this. I'm just a fearful, timid introvert. No, God is saying I'm about to neutralize everything the demons are trying to normalize. You need to understand that, that, that addiction, your addiction is not a domesticated pet. Your strongholds that you feel are not domesticated pets. And someone needs to hear this. Stop coping with that which, which you were anointed to conquer. No longer is the day where the church is just coping and pilling up just to get by. The church has the risen, living Savior of the, come on, the church has the Spirit of the living God. The church has every right. Don't domesticate what Jesus came to deliver you from. It's time to, it's time to step in this purging and this purifying because Jesus is, is, is he's, he's adamant when he said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. My house. So I, I prayed and I was like, Holy Spirit, what do, you, what do you wanna say? And these three tables came to my heart. Number one is this, Jesus wants to turn over the table of habitual sin. Turn over the table of habitual sin. Pastor And why do we have such, have such a, a tough talk straight after Thanksgiving? Stop, what, I don't want, what, no, I don't want that in my face. You see, I feel like John the Baptist sometimes. And I, it's just, we have to, guys. We have to grow. We have to mature. We have to transform. We have to become the church. And see, you might have found yourself in this moment in, in time is, is that habitual sin doesn't just happen overnight. We gotta understand, it's t- temptation is not an event, it's a process. Let me say that again. Temptation is not an event. It's a process. It's a process. It's like every year. I got friends that are like, it's two weeks from summer. I need to go to the gym and get my summer body. You know, it's like, no, that doesn't work. You got to start now. It is a process to get to where you want to go. It's the same thing with with habitual sin. All of a sudden, it's just a a little bit. I'll I'll scroll and I'll just look at that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's okay. No one can see what, what I'm looking at. And then all of a sudden, you know, I'll go into the computer and check out things on the website. And then all of a sudden, I'm purchasing. And then all of a sudden, I'm diving into deeper rabbit holes and deeper rabbit holes. You see, you might have found yourself in a pattern. But praise God, Jesus wants to neutralize what the enemy is doing in your life and normalize what his blood purchased in your life. You see, enemy wants to continue to do this exchange. Just keep looking at pornography. It's normal. No one sees it. It's all good. Keep talking to that guy on TikTok, even though he's not your husband. Just keep, it's an an honest conversation. It's okay. Just keep doing it. It's harmless. The white lies in your business and how you're doing business deals, just keep normalizing that. That's fine. The enemy would just love you. This is how we have to get ahead in today's hard market. This is what we got to do. You see, if to normalize sin in your life, the enemy only has to do, do one thing is make you believe it's just who you are. Make you believe, become sin conscious. Okay, let me, let me break it down, I got a lot of scripture. Hebrews 10, two, four, it's not on the screens, but Hebrews 10, three, 
It's talking about the Old Testament. And the Apostle Paul is talking about uh, the, the Old Testament and, and the sacrifices uh, of the atonement of sin and how they used to sacrifice bulls and goats. And, and it says this in verse 3, which is interesting. It says, but in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. So in other words, back in the OT, when they brought these sacrifices, every year they were reminded. They were reminded this isn't the end. This isn't the finale. This isn't completo. This isn't the, you know, the full finished redemptive work of God in our lives. We gotta, we gotta continually bring these animal sacrifices. Go back to Hebrews 10.2. It says, for the worshipers, once purified, would have had no more consciousness of sins. Let me read that again. For the worshipers, once purified, would have had no more consciousness of sins. And people say, you know what? We're always just gonna be sinning. We're sinners. And they argue the point that we're gonna fail. They stand in the gap. No, you're gonna fail. You're, you're gonna stop. And what are, you, what are you saying, Pastor Aaron, that you're perfect? No, I'm not saying that I'm perfect. I'm just not waiting to fail. There's a new life waiting for me in Christ. I'm not waiting for the old life. I'm pursuing the new life in Christ. The Bible says that if I am live righteous conscious, then it will produce its fruit within me without me trying to be holy. If I am then righteous conscious of what Jesus did in my life. The Bible says I am now the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? So Hebrews 10, fast forward to 19 through 25, says this. Therefore, believers, since we have confidence and full freedom to enter the holy place, the place where God dwells by means of the blood of Jesus, by this new and living way which we, he initiated and opened for us through the veil as in the holy of holies, that is through, the, through his flesh, and since we have great and wonderful priest who rules over the house of God, let us approach God with a true and sincere heart in unqualified assurance of faith, Get this, having had our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, then it says, let us seize. So that's our part. Let us seize and hold tightly the confession of our hope without wavering, for he has promised, is, is reliable and trustworthy and faithful to his word. You see, if I just believe God sees me right, if I just believe God sees me right, God can begin to turn over the tables of habitual sin. If I just see that I am the righteousness, he can begin to uh, manufacture and build the, the, the holiness within me. Uh, believers, please stop studying fallen man and start studying perfect theology. That is Jesus Christ. We get obsessed with fallen man. We get obsessed that one day we're just going to fail. And I'm not saying we're going to be perfect. I'm not saying we're, 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 we're going to be walking the earth in actual perfect, uh, perfectness like Jesus. But what I'm saying is Jesus is now the barometer. Jesus is the marker. And Colossians 1.20 says this. And though the intervention of the Son to reconcile all things to himself, making peace with believers through the blood of his cross, through him I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven, and although you were at one time estranged and alienated and hostile-minded toward him, participating in the evil things, yet Christ has now reconciled you to God in his physical body through death in order to present you before the Father, holy and blameless and beyond reproach, and he will, he will do this. And if you continue in the faith, well-grounded and steadfast and not shifting away from the confident hope that is a result of the gospel that you have heard, which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which gospel I, Paul, was made a minister. So 
You're saying there's hope. Yes, I'm saying there's hope. Some people have never heard this hope that, that Jesus says, hey, it's not about, uh, I've got all the grace in the world so I can just keep sinning. I've got all the grace in the world so I can just keep partying, keep getting drunk, keep smoking weed, keep doing all the things that the world does and keep bringing the corruptedness of the world into the temple of God. No, the Bible teaches you to reckon yourself dead, indeed dead to sin. That he bore our sin on the tree in his body to reckon us dead to sin and alive now to righteousness. Now alive, that we're dead to sin. What does that mean? It means that we're dead to its memory. We're dead to its stain. We're dead to its desire, its detriment. We're absolutely, we can live free in this realm. Not that we live in perfection, but we leave, live free from the identity that you and I are just going to fail in sin all the time. My friend, you can get over that addiction. My friend, you can step out of that brokenness. My friend, you don't have to have this ongoing habitual sin in your life. Let Jesus overturn the table. It's the power of righteousness. I love it. I love it. The, righteous, the power of righteousness means to stand before God without any guilt, shame, or condemnation. My friend, are you still battling shame? Are you still battling condemnation? Man, it comes and it, and it, it hits you hard. I remember for years trying to break the stronghold of pornography in my life. For years, and I just tried. If I just pray more, if I just read more, if I get up early and just spend more time in the presence of God, then that will happen. And I, you know, and then just, it just go for months, and then all of a sudden trip, and then go for six months, and then trip. And it was just like never, never could break through. Never could see Jesus turn over the table. And all of a sudden, you, all you're telling me is I have to submit to the power of your righteousness that I just got to believe that I am now because of Jesus, the righteousness of God. The prophet Isaiah says in 61.3 that, that, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. That means I can be a righteous tree. And what do righteous trees produce? Righteous fruit. That all of a sudden when I just surrendered and said, God, thank you so much that I am now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Thank you so much. And all of a sudden, guess what? The desire went away. Because when we surrender to, 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 to Jesus and what he has done for us and the power of the blood of Jesus, we can boldly declare, declare it's Christ in me, the hope of glory. And Jesus is turning over. He is turning over the table and his blood is saying, I'm removing the stain of sin. I'm removing the sting of sin, the effects of sin, the reminder of sin, the work of sin, even the action of sin. First John 1 John 1.5. Can I keep going? Is it okay? 1 John 1.5 says this. This is the message of God's promised revelation, which we have heard from him and now announced to you that God is light. He is holy his message is truthful. He is perfect in righteousness. And in him there is no darkness at all, no sin, no wickedness, no imperfection. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness of sin, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we really walk in the light, that is live each and every day in conformity with the precepts of God, as he himself is in the light, we have true unbroken fellowship with one another, he with us and we with him. And the blood of Jesus is his son cleanses us from all sin by erasing the stain of sin, keeping us cleansed from sin in all its forms and manifestations. Verse eight, if we, if we say we have no sin, refusing to admit that we are sinners, we delude ourselves and the truth is not in us. His word does not live in our hearts. 
Verse nine, if we freely admit that we have sinned and confess our sins, he is faithful and just, true to his own nature and promises, and will forgive our sins and cleanse us continually from all unrighteousness, our wrongdoing, everything not in conformity with his will and his purpose. It is so beautiful when we understand this church, when we see this, there's no verse in the Bible to the church that tells us to live free from sin by trying to do it ourselves. It tells us the only way to live free from sin and praise God for the Holy Spirit is to live in the Spirit. It's a sense of we now have a new focus a new perspective. I'm not obsessed with my sin. I'm not condemning myself and throwing myself in the pit every single day. I'm now looking to the perfection of Jesus. I'm looking at his righteousness. I'm looking what his blood purchased. And I'm saying, thank God that you're about to cleanse my temple of this habitual sin. Thank God this anger that I found myself in, guess what? I'm about to step into a new level of the peace of God. Man, this, this, sense, of, this sense of habitual sin, man, it might be, it might be, hey, I might be just shopping and you just love overindulging shopping. Who loved Black Friday? Come on, in Jesus' name. But, but it's about our focus. It's about what we behold. Galatians 5.16 says this, if I could have the keys out. It says, but I say, walk habitually in the Holy Spirit, seek him and be responsive to his guidance. And then you will certainly not carry out the desire of the sinful nature, which responds impulsively without regard for God and his precepts. For the sinful nature has its desire which is opposed to the spirit and the desire of the spirit opposes the sinful nature. For these two, the sinful nature and the spirit are in direct opposition to each other, continually in conflict, so that you as believers do not always do whatever good things you want to do. But if you are guided and led by the spirit, you are not subject to the law. Now the practices of sinful nature are clearly evident. They are sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, total irresponsibility, lack of self-control, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, strife, sound like one of those commercials, jealousy, fits of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions that promote heresies, envy, drunkenness, behavior, and other things that practice such things are not inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 22, but the fruit, everybody say, but the fruit. But the fruit of the spirit, the result of his presence within us is love, unselfish concern for others, joy, inner peace, patience, not the ability to wait, but how we act while waiting, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things are, there is no law. 24, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature together with its passions and its appetites. Could we be a church that crucifies those appetites? Let me tell you, you are about to step into a new season of freedom, a new season of just breaking that addiction, severing it. Let Jesus turn over the table of habitual sin in your life. Number two, let Jesus turn over the table of unforgiveness. Let him turn it over. Don't, 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 don't take even a little bit of a little bit of harboring of unforgiveness. I don't know what sort of betrayal you faced this year. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what sort of loss you faced this year. I don't, maybe, maybe it's like I felt big, you know, feeling like some of us may have this unforgiveness towards God. The sense that God, I feel let down. I feel like you didn't meet, me, meet my expectations. Hebrews 12, one says, therefore, since we are encompassed with such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every good weight and the sin that so easily entangles us. 
and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Unforgiveness is like a heavy weight. If you've ever, ever done the Murph, you, you run the, the, the couple miles with, with the heavy weight strapped to your body. And it's hard work. God never meant us to, to drag from season to season, drag from level to level, trying to get ourselves, oh, we just made it. Thank God I just got there. No, no, no. The wind of the Spirit is to elevate you. The wind of the Spirit is to help you soar. The wind of the Spirit is to say, I'm above unforgiveness. I'm not going to allow the tentacles of unforgiveness to leech itself on me and keep me dragged into this pit no matter who it is, the love of God is greater. The love of God is bigger. The love of God has overcome and can conquer unforgiveness in your life. A lot of us don't want to face it. We just want to just put it under the rug and just move on like it never happened. Never. Some of us don't want to face that root of emotional trauma that is just plaguing your every relationship. You can't keep a friend. You can't keep a boyfriend. You can't keep a girlfriend. Why? It's because there's just unforgiveness in your heart that is like a plague throughout all your relationships. And God is saying, today is the day. Let me turn that table over. Today is the day. Let me have that table of unforgiveness and let me shove it over and, and put a stop to what the devil is trying to normalize in your life. Matthew 6, 14, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. Colossians 3, 13, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Moving on to Matthew 6, 15, but if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. What an incredible reverence statement. That guys, let me just tell you, when we harbor unforgiveness, he opens the door to his friends. He opens this door to his friend of discouragement and his friend of disappointment. And disappointment has the ability to override everything that God is trying to do in your life. You see, the two disciples on their way to Emmaus, on the road to Emmaus, that Jesus just got crucified. And their, their, their dream, their, their, their built up dream of what they thought was about to take place. And, and Jesus come in and reign over Israel and, and, and take everything over was just absolutely shattered because of that one moment. And so they, they had this disappointment and it was just smothering them disappointed to the point where I think disappointment blinded them from actually seeing Jesus. They found themselves walking and then talking with this man and then they invited him to dinner and they still couldn't see it until Jesus opened their eyes. Let Jesus turn over the table and open your eyes. Disappointment, it's, it stems from a feeling of abandonment. Discouragement and disappointment are cousins that work towards creating the distorted perception that God has abandoned you, that he hasn't met your expectations, that he hasn't quite been the God of the, the promises of the Bible, the God of breakthrough, the God that we declare and we say about. But let God turn over that table of disappointment, turn over that table. And I love it. Luke 9, 3, Jesus declares, take nothing for your journey that might encumber you. Take nothing. Don't let an unforgiveness chase you into 2024. Don't let disappointment find its way back into your soul in 2024. Why? Because Job 17.9 17, says, the righteous 
keep moving forward. And those with clean hands become stronger and stronger. I want to declare over you today, you are righteous and you are going to move forward. You're going to move past. You're going to move into the greater things that God has called you to. That you're going to move forward as a righteous man, as a righteous woman, looking ahead to the good works that God has planned for you. How do you overcome unforgiveness? Maybe you just need to humble yourself and actually share your heart with someone you trust. Maybe you need to stop attending church and get planted in church. Getting planted in church says, I'm gonna join the kingdom of God and I'm gonna be discipled and I'm gonna start discipling others. That means I'm gonna live authentic. I'm gonna live transparent. I'm gonna live at a place where I have not arrived. I need to grow in Christ. Maybe you need a mentor to, 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 to take you, your, your, to help the Holy Spirit take your bruises, and your scars and, and reverse them and turn them into stars and turn them into a testimony that God wants to do in and through your life. Would you let Jesus turn the table of unforgiveness? And lastly, would you let Jesus turn over the table of fear? We know the year that we're moving into, it's gonna be a year of pressing in and praying, yes, but the, the, the enemy will try to distract. You, you think it's crazy now, the amount of fear mongering that's taking place in the media, get ready. They think we're just absolutely a stupido. Fear is a distraction of the enemy. You need to understand that. Fear keeps you unplugged from the kingdom of God. Fear is like a, a carrot leading a donkey and it will lead you wherever it wants to go. You see, fear is rooted in a threat from the devil. That's all he can do. If the, if, and he sells you this lie. See, fear is the currency he operates in. And the devil wants you so riddled in fear that you're, that you're unwilling to say, God, I, 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 I can't step out and walk on water this, this next coming year. I can't step out and start that business. Uh, look at the economy. I can't step out and dream audaciously. I, I, just, I just don't know if I'm qualified and if I have it in me. God, I don't know if I could ask that girl on a date. I just don't know if I could do it. And see, fear wants to threaten and threaten and threaten. And fear wants to keep you unplugged from stepping into a place of achievement the divine destiny and assignment that God has called you to. I'm sick of the world threatening fear in our face. The fear of terrorism, the fear of ungodly ideologies, the fear of war, the threat of disease. Can I tell you, in Christ, you are not under threat. You are the threat to the works of the devil on this earth. You are the threat because you carry the conqueror within you. Can I get an amen? Come on, the next time fear tries to tell you and dictate your next decision, you point fear to the cross and declare once again with Jesus, it is finished. Come on, today is a new day. You can start the new trail of your life, not a trail of trash with fear consuming it. Come on, I'm telling you, you can start a trail of the Ezekiel 47 living waters where there's going to be blended, bountiful blessings and fruitfulness and harvest in your life that God wants to do in and through you. 1 John 4.18 says, there is no fear in love. And I love the Amplified. It says, dread does not exist. But perfect, complete, full-grown love drives out fear because fear involves the expectation of divine punishment. So the one who is afraid of God's judgment is not perfected in love, has not grown into a sufficient understanding of 
God's love. Would you stop negotiating at the table of fear? And would you let Jesus turn it over? You are a man of faith, you are a woman of faith. You're not just a man of faith or a woman of faith, you are a man, a woman of radical, audacious faith that within you is unlimited potential, within you is unlimited ability that you can step into this new year, breathing in and breathing out and say, guess what? Nothing is impossible. Guess what? God is going to do something in and through me. And when you are faced with that voice of fear, I want us a city point. We're just going to yell this and scream this in, the, in, in, in fierce face. Guess what? I don't care what you say to me. I'm just going to do it anyways. You, you're, you're telling me don't, don't give. Guess what? I'm just going to do it anyways. You're telling me not to serve. Guess what? I don't have time in my life. No, no. Guess what? We're just going to do it anyways. Come on. There's people out there that need the word of knowledge that the Holy Spirit has put in your heart for them. There's, there's a prophetic word inside of you that can unlock someone's destiny and, and, and take that veil off their eyes to see Jesus. Jesus, if you would just stand at the line of fear and say, I am going to do it anyways. Come on, let Jesus turn over the table of fear. Can I get an amen? Can we stand to our feet and put our hands towards heaven? As we close, let's put our hands towards heaven. I'm going to start with habitual sin. Father, in the name of Jesus, we rebuke and we bind and we break right now. Father, Lord, habitual sins, patterns of ongoing decisions, of giving ourselves to unrighteousness, giving ourselves to that, that, that the, 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 and normalizing what the enemy wants to normalize in our lives rather than letting you neutralize. Lord, and we just thank you, Father, today. Lord, let a revelation burst forth in our hearts, the revelation that we are the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. The Lord, as we become righteous conscious, as we become blood-bought, bought, Holy Spirit-filled conscious, Lord, that we are conscious of what Jesus did, that He is perfect theology. Lord, that he, what He has established in our lives, that we don't have to live bound and addicted to sin. Lord, we can reckon sin dead indeed in Jesus' name. Lord, we just thank you, Lord, that you're turning over the table of unforgiveness. Let your love explode in our hearts, Lord, to put ourselves aside. And maybe we, tomorrow we need to give someone a call. Maybe tonight we need to give someone a call. Maybe tonight we need to text someone. Or maybe we need, we need to maybe write a letter to someone and just, just pour out our heart and just say, hey, would you forgive me? Or maybe, maybe we need to come before you, God, right now and just say, hey, I just didn't realize I was so a little upset that you didn't meet my expectations that you allowed this and you allowed this, but I just need to say, God, forgive me. Forgive me right now. I don't want that, that to be harbored in my heart. I want you to turn that table over. And Lord, turn the table of fear over in our lives. That threat, that fear of, I know that you've asked me to step into this new business, Lord. I know that you've asked me to step into it, but there's such a fear. What if I fail? What if I don't make it? But God, I, I wanna give you my yes. I want to step out and stop listening to the threat of the enemy and let your love that is perfected within me drive out fear and God begin to live out a faith-filled life. Come on, just for the next 20 seconds, just between you and Jesus, just between you and Jesus, he's illuminating things, he's showing you things, he's giving you visuals, he's, 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 maybe you're seeing a word, but there's things that in your heart that he's dealing with in our lives, there's tables that need to be overturned. There's a, there's a deep rinse, there's a deep cleansing. So this is a car wash moment in the spirit. God wants to do something deep. So Father, we thank you. We plead the blood of Jesus upon everything that was just 
the seeds of your word that were just implanted into our heart. We just pray, God, that you seal that, Lord, and you begin to water it so that, Lord, we can see the word and your scripture begin to bear fruit in Jesus' mighty name. With every eye looking this way, online or in this room, on the count of three, I wanna ask you this question. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior? And on the count of three, I want you to put your hand up and say, yes, I want to know Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. Maybe years ago, you, you gave your heart to Christ and maybe now you just accept an invitation back to church and you're like, I haven't been walking with God. I allowed the world to come and corrupt the temple and I just wanna get my life right back. I wanna have peace with God. I wanna, I wanna come into that place of forgiveness. Or maybe this is your first time and you're saying, Pastor Aaron, I've never heard this message that God the Father sent His one and only begotten Son to die for you and me and did something that we could not do that he died on the cross for our sin and our shame and that three days later he rose again, he was resurrected. Are you kidding me? That this is now a gift that I can just receive it in faith right now in prayer that I can receive and, and I know that beyond a shadow of a doubt that I'm gonna be at peace with God and that my destination will be heaven and that I can walk with Jesus in everyday life. That's crazy, I want that. On the count of three, if that's you, today make the strong, bold decision from the front to the back, left to the right. We wanna make sure everybody in this room has had this moment and had this opportunity. Yes, it's a bold moment, but let me tell you, it's your greatest decision you will ever make. On the count of three, if that's you, one, two, three, just raise your hand, say yes. Pastor Aaron, please pray with me today. Awesome decision right up here. Awesome decision, my man. So good, so good. So good. Anybody else online, just comment. So good. Awesome. Well, hey, maybe you didn't raise your hand, but God sees your heart. Let's say this prayer together. We're going to say this prayer. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. And then we're going to say this prayer together. Say, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I, I not only confess that you are Lord, but I repent, which means I want to change my mind. I want to, I want to change my thinking. I want to surrender all my life to you. And I believe before all these people and declare you died on the cross for my sin and my shame. That three days later, you rose again, defeating death and giving me eternal life. I am now saved. I'm a child of God. I'm now at peace with you, God. Holy Spirit, clothe me with power so I can be victorious following you with my entire life. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen, amen. Come on, can we give God a shout of praise? Awesome decision, sir. Awesome decision. We have a gift for you. We'd love to bless you with the Bible. I'd love to shake your hand after the service. Uh, it'd be awesome. But come on, one more time, give God a shout of praise. 